This is the Intimacy Podcast. Today, you're listening to episode 44, Closer with Conflict. We're talking about how our differences can actually make our relationships stronger. Welcome. This is the Intimacy Podcast. Here, you'll find clean sex talk, answers to your intimate questions, and practical advice to take your relationship to the next level. I'm your host, certified intimacy coach and instructor, Rhonda Farr. While this podcast is not rated explicit, some content may not be suitable for younger listeners. Hello, my friends who are so amazing to keep showing up each week to improve your relationship and to learn more about being a connected partner and figuring out how to find intimacy in your relationships. You are my people and I love you. Today, we're talking about conflict in relationships. More importantly, how to use conflict to actually help you have a stronger relationship. I know for the past month or so, we've been talking more about emotional intimacy than physical intimacy. And that's okay. (laughs) When I first started this job, I naively used to think that it would mean me just talking to people about their sex lives. While that is a part of it, as I've mentioned on the podcast before, for many of us, the physical intimacy starts long before the bedroom. For true, connected, intimate experiences in the bedroom, there needs to be a sense of trust, respect, emotional safety. Now, that's not to say we can't go through the act of sex without feeling emotionally connected. Of course we can do that. People do it all the time. Some of us do it, right? Even with our spouses. When we're not really in the mood or we're kind of frustrated, sometimes we'll just go through the motions. But as many of you know from personal experience, there's quite a difference between having sex with someone and really feeling intimately connected with that person. Many of the women I talk to tell me they have a very sensitive break. If you don't know what a break is when it comes to your sexual desire, go back and listen to episode 31. It's called How to Create More Desire. So many women have a sensitive break when they feel they are in conflict with their husband. I'm sure many husbands feel this way too. Basically, it means that when we're in a disagreement, it's hard to feel vulnerable, safe, and respected. It's hard to open up to intimacy in these times. What if I told you when you figure out how to navigate conflict in a more purposeful way, you could actually become closer to your partner than you were before? I recently read a quote by Dr. John Gottman that said, Repair, or basically mending our differences, is the secret weapon within emotionally connected relationships. Okay? So Dr. Gottman is suggesting that we go through conflict and the process of repairing or mending these differences, that repair is the secret weapon within emotionally connected relationships. It suggests that conflict can lead to more connection as we navigate our differences wisely. So if we want to be more emotionally connected, which by the way is how we have the most intimate physical connections as well, We have to learn how to repair and handle our conflicts in a way that serves the relationship. Whether we recognize it as conflict or not, we're actually negotiating all the time in our marriage. 
How many kids should we have? What car should we buy? Where should we go for dinner? What kind of toilet paper do we buy? Differences of opinion and a certain amount of conflict are very natural and expected in our relationships and in our lives. If handled correctly, as I just mentioned, conflict and disagreement can even strengthen your marriage. But many of us have this primal need to be right at all costs. This need to be right costs us our happiness and our peace. I want you to know that I'm talking about myself here today. (laughs) I come from a long line of need to be writers. (laughs) Need to be writers. That's a group of people. (laughs) My family of origin is very good at thinking that we are right. And we're often very good at pointing out what we think isn't right. I'm guessing this might have contributed just a little bit to our difficult first years of marriage. It was especially challenging for my husband, Jason, and I to figure it all out because my husband comes from a background of just being quiet about what he really thinks. Growing up, he learned to avoid conflict, so he didn't really express his opinions and his thoughts very much. Guess what? His way of coping with, his dif- with our differences also carried over into our marriage. Now, for some of you, you might be saying, this seems like a great match. One person who's more opinionated and one who's really good at quietly going along with everything. In theory, it sounds like a good fit. And if I'm being honest, these tendencies probably are what drew us together initially. But I want you to know this kind of relationship does not foster intimacy and connection. It might foster functionality in the marriage. For sure, it probably does. But I want more than functionality, don't you? I want to really connect and know my partner, not just get by. What happens in a relationship like mine, if we aren't careful, is the quieter partner goes along with things, always trying to figure out what the right thing to say is. I say right in quotes because really there is no right or wrong. But they're always trying to keep the peace, not anger the other person, just let things slide. Then you have the more assertive partner who's trying to find happiness by having everything done the way they think is best. They think they know better, and if everyone would just comply, we'd all be happy. But here's the really interesting thing about this setup. Each partner is doing what feels familiar to them to keep the marriage functioning in the safe zone, but neither of them are feeling that real connection with each other consistently. Neither are feeling truly fulfilled as a whole. And it's obvious why. The more docile partner is just going through the motions, trying not to ruffle any feathers, and also they aren't being real or authentic in who they are. They don't feel free to ever truly be themselves. Eventually, these partners might just start using statements like, I'm just not happy. They may feel down and a real lack of confidence in themselves. They're feeling stifled in life. That sucks, you guys. It doesn't feel good. And by the way, I'm not blaming their spouse for this at all. Often, this is a learned way of living long before the marriage. Many learn these survival techniques from their family of origin or from their childhood, and they just carry on with them in their marriages. Like I said with my husband and I, we both brought some tendencies like this to the relationship before we even knew each other. 
And it can be a little bit confusing because the less assertive partner will often feel very content to let their spouse do everything and make all the decisions because it's familiar. It feels somewhat comfortable to them to not have to worry about it all and not have to make big decisions. But guess what? These patterns also keep them feeling inadequate and small. Interesting, right? It feels comfortable in a way, but it also feels very stifling and restrictive. They feel stuck because they have this belief, I have to say and do the right thing to keep everybody happy, some version of a thought like that, and then they feel insignificant like their thoughts and opinions can't be spoken or they don't matter. When they feel this way, they keep quiet, avoid conflict, try to say the magic words that the other person wants to hear so they don't get mad. And then there's the important part of all this. They are now being fake. I don't say that in a derogatory way. My quieter friends or my more Uh, agreeable friends who just go along with everything. I'm not trying to be mean, but it's true. These personalities never put their true self out there to be known, to be loved wholly as they are, because they're constantly putting out a facade of who they think they are supposed to be, right? Instead of who they really are, they're saying, well, let me just be the person I'm expected to be so everybody stays happy. That does not serve the relationship, my friends. And let's look at the more dominant partner now. It feels good for them to have control. They're probably used to being listened to and followed. They like that feeling. They think they have the right answers. But there's also this part of them that gets exhausted from feeling like they have to do it all. And they feel like they don't have a real partner to stand by them. They don't have that real support that they want sometimes. They often crave a closer relationship with their partner, but have no idea that their primal need to be right all the time is actually a huge part of the disconnect they feel with their spouse. Can you see it? They have this ongoing belief, I'm right and I know the best way, which makes them feel in control or even perhaps superior in some way. When they feel this way, they continue to be more assertive, shut down their spouse's thoughts and ideas, focus on their own goals, and guess what? This does not serve the relationship either. It causes a further disconnect from their spouse. They never take the time to really get to know their partner, to ask their partner what they're thinking and feeling, which, by the way, is what many of the more dominant personalities are really craving to really know that partner intimately and have that partnership, and they have no idea how they are sabotaging their own desires. What if I told you the way to find real connection in your marriage is to just give up being right and wrong? What if no one has to be right or wrong? Think about it. No one really wins when we try to just force our right onto the other person. Because the mutual love and connection is being suffocated in those cases. And do we really win when we avow to keep quiet for the sake of avoiding any conflict? No. It might feel comfortable when we do these things. It might feel familiar based on our previous patterns of learned behavior. But the relationship loses. So many of us have no idea how to communicate without blame without frustration, defensiveness, or justifications. 
the most important thing we can do is understand the ultimate goal isn't to figure out who's right and who's wrong. The ultimate goal should be to strengthen the relationship. What if you went into a difficult conversation by willing to not be right or wrong? It will make all the difference, I'm telling you. This isn't an easy skill to learn. I know from firsthand experience, and I still work on it every day. When our security or our autonomy feel threatened, many of us perceive differences of opinion as a real danger, right? We feel as a real threat to who we are. That's why we can take even simple disagreements and see couples who get deadlocked in them. The small things aren't small things because it's almost never really about the small thing. What if we look past the issue and ask why? Why does the other person have the stance they have? Ask yourself and your partner why to get to the bottom of the thoughts about the actual circumstance in question. That's when you know what you're really dealing with. The most important part of conflict resolution is the mindset we bring to the resolution or to the repair of the situation. In most conflicts, it's me against you. We're adversaries on the opposite team and there's only one right way. For many of us, it's my way. I'm not here to learn. I'm here to keep trying to prove to you why I'm right and why you're wrong. Sometimes both partners have this mindset. But can you see how this isn't conducive to resolution at all? What if we become teammates playing for the same team? How does that look different from going head to head trying to establish who's right and who's wrong? Where one person sees the other as a problem in the relationship, right? So when we're adversaries, you're the problem, you must be fixed. But when we're teammates, we both stay on the same side. So I want you to imagine with me for a minute that we're back in fifth grade and it's field day. We've been divided up for a game of tug of war. One side tugs and then the other and it goes back and forth. And then eventually after a lot of exertion and sweat and tears and maybe some blood, there's a clear winner. There are shouts of acclamation. There's a little bit of celebration maybe from one side, but both sides are left tattered and bruised with some gnarly rope burns usually. (laughs) Both sides are dirty and on the ground. There's a proclaimed winner, but it's not pretty for anybody. Now, imagine for a minute a team building exercise. All members remain on the same side of the table. They look at the problem to be solved together. The team members themselves aren't the problem to be conquered. They are all allies to be valued. They both have something to offer, and in the end, the partners come out unscathed and together, united. Now, obviously, I'm not disparaging tug-of-war for kids. (laughs) I'm all for it. Do it. It's fun stuff. But I do want you to think about that visual. Is that what we want for our marriages, or is that stuff better left to the schoolyard? When I can, you guys know I like to give you some tools for practical application. So pause me for just a second and go grab a pen and a paper to write down a couple of things if you'd like to try a new way of disagreeing in your own marriage. Are you ready? Okay, we're going to think a little differently than you've thought up to this point. It might feel a little bit uncomfortable to let go of your old habits, but the outcome will be worth it. 
I want you to choose an issue that you want to work on with your partner. Find an uninterrupted time to talk without distraction. Start the conversation with, and this is going to feel counterintuitive, tell me why you are right. Tell me how you feel. Tell me what you are thinking. Tell me why this is for you. Okay? So you're going to put yourself in your spouse's shoes. You're going to really see it from his eyes, his perspective, his thoughts. Where is he really coming from? Can you understand it? Does it make sense if you were him? By the way, I'm saying he because I'm the wife in this situation. But if you're my husband's out there and you're listening to this, just insert the word her for he or she for him. Okay? Keep releasing your defensiveness and your disagreement. This will change and it will be a challenge to change your thought perspective on how you deal with conflict, okay? If you've never done it before, just expect it to feel really awkward and really counterintuitive like I mentioned already. Keep reminding yourself that the ultimate goal is to make your relationship stronger not to force him to believe you are right. Make sure you fully hear him. Make a true effort to understand his thoughts, his feelings, his actions, why he's doing what he's doing. And I want you to note, if you guys are not listening to this this together and you're not going through this exercise together, you might not get the same luxury of your partner asking why you are right. Okay, that's all right. Right now, you get to be the one who hears. By the way, if you're listening together as husband and wife, I totally think you should both give the other partner that benefit to explain why they are right. And in a very calm and neutral way, try to keep the emotion out of it here. Just explain your side of it. But if you're not going through this with a partner and you're just doing it by yourself, right now you get to be the one who hears. Hearing from a different perspective is a great gift you give yourself. You'll get your sentence, which I'll explain in a minute, But for now, it only takes one person to change in order to make a huge difference. And that person is you if you're the one who's listening to me. It's worth it, I promise. Okay, next, we're going to just simplify down to the facts. Once you've heard your partner out, I want you to identify the facts and make sure you can agree on them. If you've listened to my intimacy model episodes, episode one in particular, you know that facts don't hurt anyone until we have a thought about them. Facts are the common ground for today's purposes. Next, you each get a sentence. To understand the real problem, you have to understand that both of you are taking the facts and you're just viewing them in a different way. That's all. This is totally normal because you are two very different people with very different backgrounds and ideas. So what you're going to do to get your sentence is you're going to finish the following statement and you're going to write it down so you're both very clear that the facts just mean very different things to each of you. First sentence, he is making the facts mean, sum it up in one sentence, whatever it is. And then I'm making these facts mean, and again, sum up your thoughts in one sentence. This is why we disagree. No one is right or wrong. Our brains have just created different stories about the facts. At this point, you're going to explore how your sentences make each of you feel. Now notice that it isn't the other person making you feel that way. Rather, it's your thoughts or your story about the facts. When you take responsibility for your own thoughts and feelings, 
you understand that your partner is going through their own experience. You start to understand them in a whole new way. And you understand yourself more clearly too. The things you learn about each other and the way you come together in the relationship actually strengthens your ability to solve future disagreements and the one at hand as well. So finally, last step. Now I want you to talk only in solutions. Find a solution you both agree on. This might take some brainstorming. This might take some time. At this point, you're no longer allowed to talk about the problem. Oh my goodness, sometimes I've gotten stuck in this and I just say the problem over and over again in a thousand different ways. (laughs) And I'm just reiterating this terrible story in my mind that I keep telling. We don't want to do that, although I can understand why you're tempted to. At this point, we only brainstorm for solutions. And I want you to think out of the box here. Maybe there are things that you've never even thought of before. The goal is to find a solution that makes life better than it was before you had the problem. Be willing to take some time with this. It will feel awkward at first. Expect that. This is a whole new way of doing things. And when you're learning and trying new things, it takes practice. Keep at it. It will get easier as you get more familiar with the process. Remember, growth is usually uncomfortable. But it is totally worth the effort. All right, my friends. Thanks for hanging out with me today. Today, (laughs) I will talk to you next week. Hey there, friend. I know there are some of you out there who are enjoying the podcast, but you aren't sure exactly how I help people in my one-on-one practice. If that's you and you're wondering if I might be able to actually walk you through a much-desired transformation in your own marriage make sure you get on my calendar. I'm going to leave a scheduling link in the podcast description today. It's free and you can make your own appointment by using the link you'll find in the description of this episode.